Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Drivers Meaning Podcast. Lots to talk about on today's episode, including Atlanta. We have New Hampshire coming up. We got news dropping. Tyler Reddick's destination for 2024 has been revealed. Uh, there was some more drama in the race at Atlanta. We'll get to that as well. And some IndyCar, interesting IndyCar stuff yesterday with Alex Blow and a few different teams. We'll get to that as well. But first, got to thank our great partners at Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including the NBA Summer League, Major League Baseball, and the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Preseason coming up soon, the regular season just around the corner in a few months. It'll be football season before we know it. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus and your first deposit. So use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the actions. Make sure to go to Bet Online. It's where the game starts. So didn't think we'd have this much action coming from a post-Atlanta weekend going into New Hampshire, but it is 2022. It is NASCAR. Uh, some wild news has dropped in the last 24 hours. We'll get to that, but first we want to recap the weekend we just had. Atlanta Motor Speedway. A lot of people like to call it Atlanta Super Speedway now because we're kind of considering it a super speedway, the, the way that it raced. The Xfinity race was interesting. Me personally, didn't get to watch it myself, but I did watch the highlight video. Weren't much highlights anyways, so kind of assumed wasn't too eventful of a race and that's what i heard but we're going to talk about the cup race here the big main event of the weekend um the crowd was not very good but i felt like the race was very good i i thoroughly enjoyed the racing um i think it's like it's not like your daytona talladega at all it's like a different type of race and that's kind of what i expected um from the last race that we watched it's kind of its own track like you know when they did this whole repave we don't want them to do this to like any other mile and a half like keep every other mile and a half the same but if Atlanta can be its own thing, then sure. Like then, then I'm fine with it. So, and I try to be an optimist as well, but I I thought the racing was great. Um, Lots of, lots of crazy battles going on throughout the pack. I don't know how the racing is if you're running like 20th, but I know the guys who are racing up front, like the top 10 said it was pretty fun. So I'll take that from them. Uh, The biggest story of the weekend was Corey LaJoy almost getting the job done, um, but just getting passed by Chase Elliott at the end. Chase Elliott, the hometown kid, won the race. NBC made sure that you knew that, that he was from Dawsonville, Georgia. And there is a Dawsonville pool room, and that's where Relage Wood was. But but all in all, we'll start just kind of talking about the, the race in general, the racing product. I enjoyed it. Uh, my good buddy Matt is here with me. How did you enjoy it? Um, I really liked it, uh, first off, and thanks for having me again on the show. But, yeah, man, it was it was a very good race. Um, I think someone that didn't – I mean, I, I wasn't even alive during the 90s, but I think yeah. – you know, they always kind of the NBC booth or the Fox booth earlier this year, but the NBC booth, I think, mentioned it once or twice. It's kind of like the old slingshots um, back of like the 90s and the 2000s. The car handling really matters. You know what I mean? So that's really a fun thing to see because, you know, you go to Daytona, you go to Talladega and sometimes you like, you know, you're going into qualifying and it's all engine power. Yeah. But I feel like if you got if you gave the drivers an opportunity in qualifying, unfortunately for Xfinity and Cup, qualifying was both rained out on Saturday. But if there was the opportunity to have it um, and they did go on the track, I feel like we would have seen handling come into play. 
And um, even in qualifying, just cars kind of running by themselves. Um, but yeah, you saw with Larson in the beginning of the race, he completely lost control of the number five Chevrolet. You saw it throughout, throughout, uh, all throughout the day. Um, but the guy who had the best control of his car was Chase Elliott, and he won the race. So that also showed that, hey, it's not just bad, hand- bad handling cars are running towards the back or decent handling cars are running up towards the front. The best guy with the best handling car actually won the race. So um, it's not all about speed at the Atlanta Super Speedway. So I like that. I like that aspect of it. Um, I took away a lot of things. I know earlier this year, I believe I was under the influence of like, hey, this shouldn't happen any other mile and a half track. But honestly, I wouldn't mind to see it not to happen at like obviously like a Homestead or a Kansas or even a Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I know Texas is a little far gone, but that could save Texas potentially, you know. So I think it's better than what they got right now. Anything is better. You're right. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 down for NASCAR exploring those options, but they should not be making any decisions where it's like this track's not broken so don't fix it you know don't try to fix it um like kansas or homestead you know try to maybe implement those things if texas can work out that way the track's already lost so much money as it is right so you know you're gonna lose it or you're gonna try to fix it one last time and maybe it can fix it because a lot of people like super speedway racing that's their favorite type of tracks so i was thinking in my head i'm like well, not everybody wants to travel to only Daytona and Talladega. If you gave the Texas fans or the Midwestern fans that type of racing, they would go and see it um, and go and enjoy it. But also, you know, Texas has to worry about IndyCar as well. They wouldn't work on that type of, of track. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a little bit of a story for a different day. But, yeah, I definitely enjoyed the weekend. And, and there's a lot of things to take from it as, as well as Corey LaJoy. I think he's got a good chance to win at Daytona. Um, last year he was kind of in that position too. He gained some experience here. It kind of could become a really nice story if he can go to Daytona, the comeback story, you know, like I come back and I win this race to make it in last race before the playoffs. Um, But yeah, you saw Chase win. And like you said, they definitely reminded us uh, a lot about that. He's from Dawsonville and his parents weren't even there. Like, are you kidding me? What? His parents were not at the track. Uh, Maybe they had other obligations, but like I saw Chase's dad, Bill, Bill Elliott, obviously he was out in Sonoma. That's the other side of the country. Yeah, you are you are at um, the track is about two hours away from your home and you couldn't, you know, visit the track. But of course, if there's prior obligations, that's one thing. But it would have been cool to see like him and his father kind of celebrate together that win in the hometown state. Uh, But, yeah, no matter what, if you get a hometown hero, we got that both on Saturday and Sunday with Austin Hill. So it's cool either way. Yeah, uh, definitely. The handling aspect was probably one of my favorite parts of at least the first half of the race. I mean, seeing everybody on edge, like it's not your, you know, like you said, it's not your typical Daytona Talladega. These cars were on edge. You had to fight them. I mean, the the drivers were were on the edge. I mean, you were, they were spinning, wrecking. I mean, people were wrecking by themselves during the race. I mean, even BJ McLeod spun himself out and he said that was probably the first time that he's spun himself. And I believe it because I can't recall a past time where he's just wrecked a car by himself so that was definitely something really interesting to see um but handling issues uh, like you had mentioned like we were going to talk about there were some big wrecks there were there were a few a few decently sized wrecks uh one of them was involving the the 15 garrett smithley kind of checked up and that was just kind of a pile-up wreck but um we had one at the very beginning when ross chastain was kind of on the back of martin jerks jr spun him out big hits all over and everybody's okay uh, which is good, but that led to Ross Chastain having a little damage and kind of got over his head, probably driving into the corner uh, later in the race. And he took out 
probably if he would have taken out anybody else in the field, I don't think we'd been talking about it this much, but some conveniently wiped out Denny Hamlin, the, the one guy, well, not the one guy, Ross Chastain has some issues with other people, but the one guy where probably I'd say his beef has escalated with the most is Denny Hamlin, uh, totally wipes him out, you know, washes up the racetrack, um, takes out Denny Hamlin. So that's probably the second biggest story right now in NASCAR yeah. <laughs> is, is we'll get to the first biggest story in a little bit, but Denny Hamlin versus Ross Chastain and Hamlin was very calm after the race, which, you know, he's been a lot of the time. I mean, Denny Hamlin, very, very calm after races. Usually uh, you rarely see him like go and, you know, go and want to beat somebody up. Well, to be fair, in that situation, I think that also plays in a part where he didn't have the race in control. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he was the yes. leader. He dominated the day. He was kind of coming from mid-pack trying to move I up. Think, I think I it was he was up front there. But. Where he was just like, yeah. he got wrecked and he was like, all right. Well, like he wasn't yeah. leading. He wasn't, you know, when he went after Alex Bowman, I think that was a lot of um, absolutely he was leading the race. He felt like that that win got taken away from him. But I think for this, no one, high stakes, he already had his gateway incident and was just like, all right, fine. Like, yep. you know, he. I feel like he already wasn't, you know, going to be treating Ross Chastain nicely. We saw it earlier in the race. Uh, Denny almost, almost turned him earlier in the race. There was a point where he didn't, you know, he wasn't going to lift for Ross. Um, and so now it's kind of, he'd said he had, he has reached his peak uh, was his quote after the race. So whatever that yeah. means uh, we are going to New Hampshire this week. Um, you know, a track that has a layout. It's not like gateway, but you know, if you were to compare it probably the closest to on the NASCAR schedule, um shorter racetrack we see some fenders bang more than likely uh they see each other around the track a lot i'd expect ross chastain to be fast this weekend in new hampshire and i'd expect denny hanlon to be very fast this weekend in new hampshire uh he's been great there in the past and won there in the past obviously so this this rivalry um i know a lot of people have their opinions on ross chastain obviously as you know i've been a big ross chase chastain guy but you know i'm gonna lay the line where it needs to be laid and a lot of these incidents are his fault um, and kind of uncalled for and things that need to be fixed uh, in his racing style. He's obviously a very aggressive driver. I mean, everybody says it like a hundred times on a broadcast, but those things kind of do need to get no. played, uh, get cleaned up. But I've, I've seen some few things, you know, even not just this week, but in past weekends where people are like Ross Chastain is, is what NASCAR needs. Like the guy that NASCAR needs to, you know, go ruffle some feathers and people are comparing him to Dale Earnhardt. I don't think really that's fair comparison yet. Um, but, but what do you think about this whole Ross Chastain, little Denny Hamlin fiasco is, and people that are saying like, oh, Ross Chastain needs NAS or NASCAR needs a guy like Ross Chastain. Like, should he be looked at in that way? Or is this just a thing where he's a young driver and making some mistakes and he should be able to clean it up? Well, Ross is kind of like a unique situation. I don't think he's somebody that's doing this necessarily intentionally. No, yeah, yeah. he's not anything... doing this stuff intentionally to rough. No. He's just, he's just messing up. Right. He just keeps on making mistakes. The Denny one did look pretty bad compared to the Truex one. The Truex one is where I think Truex I believe... one. I didn't even think like I, I was thinking raw because that whole run you were watching. I don't know if you like how much you, I, well, you were watching the race and, and Ross. Yeah. No, like I, every I, paid, corner, I paid well attention to that one. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like Ross was moving up in the corner to either get some, like it looked like he was going to try to make a three wide move, but it looked like, like they talked about it in the booth, like a few laps before that saying how maybe he could just be trying to get some air on his nose Honestly, when I'm racing on iRacing, I do the same thing. Not that it's even comparable, but I'm just saying from my point of view. Um, but it looked like that's kind of what he was doing. And then Martin Truex Jr. kind of went up to block, and then Ross didn't really lift. I couldn't tell if he lifted or not, but 
um, you know, that obviously it's very tough to work out, especially at a track like that where you're on edge. Uh, yeah, definitely. It, it looked like it wasn't totally Ross Chastain's fault. It was just kind of a bad circumstance. Obviously the one with Denny though, that was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like for me, I think if we're looking at the Denny one alone, right. Um, I had a thought in my head before, Oh, the overview of Ross, right? Like, this is something that NBC has tried to pound in our heads that Ross is not as um, as in tune with trying to run for a championship. There's like championship implications that can happen because of this. As much as that's true, um, this is Ross. This is Ross Chastain as the driver, right? Like this is not just him going for a championship this year. This is a guy who has to form his career around having faster race cars than he used to, right? Like we've seen Bowman go through the transition. We've seen um, now Chastain go through the transition. We've we've watched a little bit of Landon Castle this year, right? He's in a newer, faster car um, for his first season in 10 years, right? Um, and Bowman ha- had to find that transition, but maybe Bowman is a little bit of a – is not as an aggressive driver as Ross to begin with. So Ross had to drive his cars and make up that time with JD Motorsports. So, like, as much as you know this, pretty much I hope everybody knows this, but – with a car that runs maybe mid-pack, the driver has to drive a little bit harder to make up that gap, to make up that time, to get up in the top 15, to get up in the top 20 if it's a 30th place car, to get up in the top 15 if it's a 25th place car or a 20th place car. Ross was doing that on a consistent basis with JD Motorsports in the back of the Xfinity Series grid. He got picked up by Ganassi. He's running up front, maybe a little bit of nerves. I wouldn't blame him. You're running up front. That means... A completely different race you have to, your race craft is completely different instead of trying to catch up you have to maintain so and in this situation with ross running it for a championship you you don't go and win typically you don't go and win championships in your first year of being competitive right so like let's say william byron this is this he started the year really well and started running a lot more competitive than he was before uh last year he was running solid this year has been a little bit of a an upgrade with that And guess what? He's kind of fallen off a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's out in the round of eight in the playoffs because this is just his first time peaking at that level, at that competition level where you can go and win a championship. And that's kind of the same situation with Ross. Uh, Not to knock on Ross or Trackhouse Racing. His wins are legitimate wins, but he has not won on a a traditional oval or – um, a road course without a little bit of drama. Now, he was going to earn that race win no matter what. Even if he had to hit somebody, he earned the race win. Talladega, a little bit different. He hasn't dominated a race through and through on a traditional track that he's going to meet in the playoffs with. You know, when we go to Kansas, when we go to Texas, when we go to Homestead, when we go to Martinsville, when we go to Phoenix, those are all important tracks to be really strong on. As much as he can run top five there, maybe he can't win. So, it's very important for him to make sure he can make it to the round of eight without Denny Hamlin or Martin Truex Jr. or anybody else kind of taking him out. But this is Ross at big picture. This is Ross for years down the line. It's not just for this year. So it's not like Ross needs to make this. I mean, for this year, but it's not like he has to make the change tomorrow or next week. That's going to be very difficult. He has a driver style instilled in him that does not allow other guys to be happy around him because he's, naturally aggressive so it's not just this year or or um these couple of races here he he doesn't necessarily have to change it overnight he has to make sure he changes it for the long term of his career to continue be running for championships because 
we don't really know how far he's going to make it in the playoffs anyways. You know, there's predictions out there. I, I heard on another podcast, a, a good NASCAR podcast, where a journalist gave him a prediction that he's not even going to make it out of the round of 12 because Trackhouse is going to have their own set of problems. You know, not that Denny or Martin is going to take him out, but that they're going to have their own problems and experience. Uh, problems happen late in a race, whatever. Uh, nerves, because this is the first time that they're doing this, running for a championship opposed to Joe Gibbs and Hendrick and Penske who have been doing this for years, um, decades. So, yeah, I mean, this is not just Ross this year. This is not Ross's relationship with Denny, with Martin, with the field. This is a guy who has to progressively get less aggressive so he can have a better long-term five years right now with Trackhouse Racing. It's, um, It's not something he can change in this month. He can keep on working on it. But it's not something that it's something that I don't even anticipate to change by mid playoffs, like five races to go in the year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's still a little aggressive because that's who he is. That's who he is as a driver. Um, but what you said there after my rant there, sorry about that. But um, yeah, it just it, it's annoying to me, like how people can say, oh, you just got to erase it. You know what I mean? You just got to forget about it. You got to forget about being aggressive and you need to act more timid, a little bit more shy, a little bit more, you know, less on the throttle kind of thing. But yeah, no, we don't need a driver like Ross Chastain in that situation. We need a guy that's aggressive, you know, when he needs to be, but know when to take a break, know when to take it off a little bit, um, know when to ratchet up that uh, that intensity towards the end of the race, right? So that that's my take on it. Ross is a very talented driver, just needs to kind of screw a little of bolts that are loose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. it's been an interesting year for him and Trackhouse uh, themselves. Uh, obviously, in the, in their second year competition, their first year with two full time teams, it's definitely been very impressive. And it's going to be interesting to see where Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain go. I mean, the playoffs I think are just going to be crazy. I mean, it, the, the whole season has been unpredictable. It's really just going to be round by round. I mean, that's what it usually is in the playoffs. I mean, you got rounds with totally different tracks. It's going to be it's going to be really uh, really crazy to see how that turns out. And and so. On the flip side, you look at Trackhouse, uh, that new team that came along next year or last year. The other new team that's now in a multi-core, multi-car organization this year, 2311 Racing. People have been kind of wondering. Kurt Busch has, has shown some strength. Bubba Wallace has shown some speed recently. Um, but obviously, people have been looking as that's the team that is going to expand or make some changes in the future. And they did. And that's where we'll go into the biggest story of the week. Uh, kind of a bombshell news announcement out of left field, way left field, way by the foul pole, out by the fence. Uh, I don't think anybody <laughs> expected this one. Tyler Reddick uh, yeah. just coming off a win at Road America uh, with Richard Childress racing. It seemed like the speed this year has been there. They've been a front runner at a lot of races this season. Just the luck hasn't, hasn't panned out for them. Um, announces that Tyler Reddick is going to be signing or is signed with 2311 racing, not for 2023, but for 2024. So this is really the first time that we've seen an announcement like this, but I think this is a trend we're going to see honestly with these newer teams coming into the sport uh, with 2311 racing and track house racing and stuff like that. Like, I feel like this is a trend we're going to see more of like, not like professional, I don't know what word to use, just more of like formal stuff like this. But it's weird. It's weird to see this in the sport or any sport, an agreement like a year and a half uh, in, in advance. So my first reaction to this was like, wow, okay. Um, obviously, great signing by 2311 Racing. And then you get hit with all the questions like, okay, is this going to be a three-car organization by that time? Obviously, they have a lot of time to pursue another charter. We know how expensive they are now. Are they going to buy another organization? Are they going to buy another charter? 
to to fulfill Tyler Reddick, or is this where Kurt Busch sees himself out of the sport? Is this is 2023 Kurt Busch's final year, um, and does Tyler Reddick just end up getting his seat? Obviously, those are unknowns that we're probably not going to know for a while. I mean, you never know. They just announced that now, so they could announce what charter he's going to have next week. Who, who the hell knows anymore? But um, yeah. Overall, just crazy announcement uh, for Tyler Reddick. Richard Childress Racing, that's another part of this, was shocked at the announcement. Um, I think it definitely is it, like a little bit of a motive killer for Richard Childress Racing. I know they said at the end of their press release, like this announcement couldn't have come at a worse time or, or something like that because it seemed like they had just hit their mark, like RCR in the 18. They just got his first win. Um, they've been consistent all year long, but finally things are starting to go their way, starting to get consistently good finishes. They're in the playoffs. I mean, Tyler Reddick's a guy I feel like can make a deep playoff run. And I'm sure everybody over the RCR organization feels like this could hurt their motive a little bit. Obviously, Tyler Reddick's going to feel the opposite way and say, hey, guys, we're going to go out here and we're going to we're going to win the rest of this year. We're going to go for a championship 2023, too. Um, but it's really a move where it's like, wow, I mean, you knew Tyler Reddick is a hot free agent, like a guy that a lot of teams are going to be calling. A lot of teams are going to want and being at Richard Childress racing. It seemed like a matter of when it wasn't, if it was when Tyler Reddick would make a move to a more bigger, more powerhouse organization. Um, and that move's going to come in 2024 with 2311 racing and Toyota. Crazy. It is crazy. I mean, I didn't expect that at all. I opened my phone about 15 minutes late to that news. I was sleeping. And yeah. I, yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, I was it was um pretty it was um it was in the morning. So yeah, I mean um it was a uh, a little bit of shock. Um, so I was planning sure. to attend that Zoom call too with Denny yeah. Hamlin because they were just like, "Oh, Denny Hamlin's got a Zoom call in the morning." I was like, "All right." And I set I forgot to cuz that that was literally the day I got my new phone. I just got a new phone and I hadn't set my alarms in there yet. So I just snooze through the morning, wake up and everyone's going crazy on Twitter. I'm like, "Oh boy." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a good time to get a new phone, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it is it is pretty crazy. It's taken me a little bit of while to think about it. I think Tyler mainly Tyler knows where he wants to be. He wants to be at a winning organization. That's every you would think every driver wants that. Yeah. But remember when Larson was a part of Ganassi before the whole 2020 incident, um, it took him a while to i mean he said no to tony stewart first off in 2017 to be his uh replacement assumably um after you know he retired so it took um it took me by surprise that someone like of larson's stature and his motivation to win to say no to bigger powerhouse teams where he would leave ganassi now richard Childress is kind of in that situation too i think the 42 is better than the eight a couple years ago um personally because i mean competition wise is a little bit harder right now um in the cup series especially with the next gen car which makes reddick's win all more impressive uh, to yeah. beat chase elliott toe-to-toe and i think danny mentioned that in the press conference as well there's a lot of news and like details that are not like you know set in stone right now there's no car number there's no charter if if you know kurt bush doesn't retire um or just saying just saying you know bubba wallace is also there too 23 car could open up let's just say he doesn't have I don't even believe he has a contract to the end of this year or he does. And it's to the end of 2023. I know it's not past 2023 if he does have one set in place. So, um, you know, just either those two cars or a third car uh, sponsors are not set in place and crew, you know, crews are not set in place either. Of course, that's probably the easiest, the personnel stuff, but um, you know, setting those sponsors in place, I would imagine, like you said, 
I mean, if Kurt wants next year to be his final year and he's setting, you know, set that in stone, we could know early by January, by February, right? That, that, Hey, um, Tyler's going to take the 45. This is, that's how it's going to be. Um, and then there's going to be some sponsor announcement throughout the year. Um, but obviously, you know, there's, um, there's definitely a little bit of awkwardness with Tyler and the eight team now, um, like for next year, that's going to be something where is Tyler kept out of the team meetings throughout the entire year, right? Like, I mean, will he be able to take 100% uh, advantage of the possibility to continue winning races for the eight team for, for Richard Children's racing as he is right now, because I feel like there's going to be some handicap things, right? Like it's not going to be too, um, it's not going to be too open over there, uh, especially moving to another manufacturer. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing move for Tyler. I think some people were saying, was this a good move? Was this not a good move? Because 2311 wasn't very, um, is not very successful at the moment. I mean, it is for a second year team, but is it as successful as if you waited a couple of months and let's just say the 48 car came available or yeah. something at Stuart Haas wasn't set in stone with a 10 car or something like that. Um, you know, those future things, those, those plans that could be open in the future, and have him have a car open for him in 2024, he kind of just closed the door on all that. Um, for me, I think 2311 is going to be a very successful team. Toyota's opinion, I mean, Toto, Toyota's motivation is to make all eight cars successful, the four from JGR and the four from 20, 2311, eventually get 2311 to four cars. And I could imagine who's, who's going to be driving those four cars in the future. Um, but yeah, so to go from there, um, I think your other thing that you were saying was, um, we never really seen a move like this. Um, I think, you know, but I know that they were talking about Kevin Harvick. He's made this similar move back in 2012 uh, when he signed uh, with SHR a year before he uh, ran his last year at RCR in 2013. The last year, pretty much. Uh, well, I know Ryan Newman finished second in the playoffs in 2014, but the last time they had a great winning season in 2013, uh, um, 2014 was the Newman year. So yeah. Um, RCR now is in a lot of a diff is in a whole different state. Tyler just won their first race since 2020 and it definitely does derail momentum, right? Like what about Randall Burnett? Does he follow him? You know, they went to, they went from Xfinity to cup together, I believe. So, um, you know, is he's, is he going to be, well, I mean, I would think he was, he'd be expecting this move. Right. I mean, in my opinion, um, but yeah, just to finish up on the Tyler stuff, it's a great move for him. Great move for Denny. He knows what he wanted and he got the driver that he wanted. He labeled him a franchise driver, which I really liked. I feel like we should start using those terms more often, franchise driver, uh, you know, because we have a pay driver kind of thing and F1 yeah. and, and IndyCar and NASCAR and all throughout the series. We should be labeling these guys who deserve to have positions in certain teams. And Tyler is that guy that deserves to be in a faster car. Um, and I'm really proud to see that for him. And opposed to where Larson was content being at Ganassi, Reddick knows what he wants and um it's uh it's going to be exciting to see it in 2024 when i think about that it's like i when i think about that it's like forget about it you know that's so long from now i don't want to i don't even want to i don't want to think about 2024 we got 2023 still to go so yeah, yeah it's just um it's a funny thing and how it's working out but uh excited for denny excited for that whole crew and i think um yeah i think for my prediction right now i do think kurt kurt's year would be his last year will be next year and then, you know, that will kind of open up the door for Reddick there. Um, and I do think that they keep Bubba a little bit longer as long as he can keep performing well and um, kind of cleaning up some things. Obviously, they got to clean up things on pit road. So growing pain still, um, sophomore slump maybe, you know. So 
just kind of how, how it goes. But um, Tyler's a great addition. He's super fast um, and he can win races for them immediately. Yeah, exactly. As long as that team can figure it out, Kurt Busch has shown that that 45 car uh, can be fast on a consistent basis. Uh, they've been strong yep. this year, and obviously the 23 team have been strong at times this year as well. So the car's got speed. You put Tyler Reddick in there. Uh, I think I, I would honestly hope. I feel like the team would bring Randall Burnett over from RCR. I think that's a team 2311. A thing 2311 would do, uh, but you never know. Yep. We'll, we'll see. I think that would be the right move to do, the best move. Um, that sounds like something Denny would do. Denny would be uh, like, yes, I want that guy. Let's pick him. You, know, I, like, I think you, you, you feel comfortable with that guy? We're going to get him, you know? Yeah, that exactly. kind of thing. So, so the other half of that, there was some other news that day. We'll kind of note on real quick some IndyCar news, and I just I want to note on this because it was funny as hell. Um, and I wasn't really following <laughs> yeah. it throughout the day. I was, um, uh, my day got jam packed full of stuff, and I, I I saw initially the Alex Pillow notification come up, um, and I had kind of read it quickly. It was from Adam Stern, I think, or Jordan Bianchi, whoever tweeted that out. And I just kind of read it really quick and was like, Alex Blow back with Chip Ganassi. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I mean, I haven't been, you know, I don't follow IndyCar that closely to know like all the rumors where everybody's heading silly season. So I was like, all right, Alex Blow, I mean, just won a championship with them doing good this year. All right, cool. He's resigning. Cool. Um, kind of carried on with my day and I got another notification about Alex Pillow and it was kind of with some like question marks and Jeff Gluck was tweeting some things like, well, like, WTF, you know, what the hell? Um, I was like, what's going on? I click on it and I saw McLaren. Like I thought I misread it. Like I read it first and I thought it was just another tweet about him going back to Chip Ganassi. And then I read it twice and I was like, McLaren. I was like, McLaren. I was like, wait, did I misread the tweet from earlier that said Chip Ganassi? Did that say McLaren? And so I was like, all right, I got to look at this. So I go on Twitter and I'm like, what the hell is going on? I've seen Alex Pillow tweeting out that I went back to the original tweet. I was like, okay, it did say he was re-signing with Chip Ganassi. And then I see his tweet saying, those are fake. They used fake quotes. I'm not re-signing with Chip Ganassi Racing. And then it comes out that McLaren Racing is signing him as a driver. Um, and that was proven true because he said, I will be proud to be joining McLaren. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on here? You got fake quotes that Chip Ganassi's putting out. And then I guess today they doubled down on it, saying or yesterday, saying like, like somebody asked a team official and they said like, yes, our press release said that Alex Pillow will be driving for the team in 2023. And so I'm me personally, I'm very confused. I'm sure a lot of people are, but I'm sure a lot of people are going to know more than me, including you. Me personally, I'm just very confused. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to figure he's going to be racing for McLaren next year. Um, I don't know what Chip Ganassi could do at this point, but is there anything that I've kind of missed here that, you can you can note on like what, what what is going on i mean yeah i mean i've, I've kind of followed it a little bit closely um i personally didn't even see the ganassi thing that came out i saw it like an hour later yeah um because i was really just focusing on nascar stuff and i had all my notifications turned on for nascar things and i'm just like for me i thought it was like okay yeah they picked up his option alex is not going anywhere um, they, they, have, they have been talking about this. There's been a rumor that Alex has been talking to Aaron McLaren SP for a while. And obviously McLaren is majority owner in that. So you'd be speaking to Zach Brown, um, and, uh, and, uh, Taylor Kyle, the, um, Aaron McLaren SP president, uh, for the IndyCar team. Um, uh, but McLaren is, is kind of interesting right now. So just to lay it out real quick, McLaren has a bunch of drivers under contract, of course. Um, they're opening up an LMDH, uh, WEC, um, World Endurance Championship team, I believe, to go to the Le Mans 24-hour. Um, that's, like, rumored, but I think that's kind of confirmed from what I've 
heard. Um, then they have their IndyCar team, their Formula E team that's coming out this year. They bought all the Mercedes equipment and they're rebranding it to become McLaren and they're racing in Formula E around the world. Of course, they have their Formula One and I believe I said IndyCar. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's more juicy definitely than the Reddick stuff because the Reddick stuff we're going to wait a little bit while. I think this Alex Below stuff joining McLaren is going to get really intense really soon. Um, I, I was listening to... Uh, racing spaces last night on Twitter and they had Danny on there and then they had Connor Daly and, 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 and Andy Lally. Andy has been in, you know, racing for a long time, has seen many contracts probably over his career, his tenure racing with Acura, Acura and different Xfinity teams here in NASCAR. So he said that there's no, he thinks that there's no way that they can get out of that. There's going to have to be a lawyer and lawyers involved. It's going to have to go to court for them to break the contract. Um, if Alex is in, is in fact signed with uh, Ganassi next year, then he is going to have to, you know, McLaren is going to have to pay out that, that contract. They're going to have to break it. Now, I'm not sure if Ganassi can, you know, put his own money, like put his own, put their own dollar on there. They're like, okay, this is how much I was paying. This is how much I was going to pay below. This is how much the contract's worth. Now it's worth this. Like they can control the money. I don't know. There's some clauses in that er in those areas. If this guy wants to be bought out, we can label the price or it's going to be this much. Um, it's going to be more than it uh, intend intended. I'm no master in this lawyer stuff at all. This is just things that I've, I've covered from listening to different things, um, which was included the racing spaces. I also listened to another video on it. Um, and then also if you read the, if you read the McLaren uh, website, the press release, the, the post for uh, Alex, for Alex below, it never says where he's going. So it technically leaves the door open for obviously not Formula E. Who are we kidding? The 24 hour Le Mans stuff, maybe, you know, whoever is a part of their team might run that. It would be a big thing if they got like Norris, Pillow, Herda, whoever, award, whatever, and they wanted to do that. But we know it's not that. It's Formula One, right? Polo has been rumored to go to Formula One in his career before. He used to race in Super Formula in Japan. Um, and then that's where he came in 2020 to IndyCar. Um, and then Ganassi signed him. And that's why this is such a big deal. He's not just an IndyCar champion. He's an IndyCar champion in only his second year of being in the sport. And his first full-time year, he didn't run ovals, I believe, in 2020 when he was racing for Dale Coyne. So in 2021, he converted for a championship in his first full season. And then when uh, then this season, it hasn't been as picture perfect, but I think he's fifth in the championship right now. And yeah, it's just, I don't know why he wants to leave in particular. Maybe he thinks Aaron McLaren SP, if this is an IndyCar deal, which I would like to think it is, but the other option is Formula One, and that, I'll get to that in a second. He thinks maybe Aaron McLaren SP is going to be more competitive in the future, number one, because they're investing a lot of money. They're opening up like a 70,000 square foot or maybe not that much, but a huge, a huge um, technology center race shop in Indianapolis. Um, it's going to be really, really nice. It kind of looks like the big McLaren technology center in England. Um, so, yeah, it's they're investing a lot, not only into their cars, they're investing a lot to their people. They're expanding. They're going to three cars in the car regardless next year, which is that's been the word. That is the word. So I would think this is the intention is to put Alex in their Aaron McLaren SP seat, but the formula one ride also becomes more 
talked about because Alex is able to run in Formula One next year if they signed him to a Formula One deal. He is over the 18, age of 18. He, has, he just has to take a theory test. He has a valid driver's license, I would assume, either in the United States uh, or in Spain, where he's from. And he has more than four, he has 40 points to make a super license, Formula One uh, driver's license, uh, to be a part of the grid next year. He would um, potentially replace Daniel Ricciardo, who is under contract with McLaren for 2023. Of course, McLaren could break the contract. We've seen this in NASCAR before when Casey Kane still had to be paid in 2018 by Hendrick Motorsports, I believe. And they've just paid him, but they let him go to Levine Family Racing. So there's um there's a lot of moving parts and pieces. Daniel Ricardo came out earlier today and said that his intention is to finish 2023 with in, with McLaren. I am in no means leaving the sport. Um, went around those lines, um, which is exactly what you would want to hear from Daniel. Um, and and keep his spirits up, right? Like. This has been talked about a lot for a while, him getting replaced by somebody inside the sport, somebody outside the sport. Colin Herta has had the name, you know, his name marked around a McLaren seat for a little while now. For me, Colton gets into Formula One, Formula One, no matter what. If that's with Andretti's brand new Formula One team coming out expectedly in 2024, which may or may not happen. But if that's with that, if that's with Andretti, his IndyCar team or um, or McLaren, Pelot kind of changes this up a little bit because Colton is not ready to run in formula one next year. Um, he hasn't, does not have the super license points. He would have to finish top three in the championship this year, I believe to have enough um, or he would have to finish top three in the championship this year and finish like top five next year. That's two years. That would be fine for like Daniel finishing up his 2023 contract. For me, that's more likely than below um, because McLaren did say, hey, we're running three Indy cars next year. Herta's going to be with Andretti. So who's going to be in that third McLaren car? Because we know Felix Rosenquist is there. But Felix's contract says that he can go to Formula E or IndyCar. Um, he can say in IndyCar or he can go to Formula E. And I say that he's probably going to Formula E with Polo signing, I would think. Um, but this whole McLaren thing, maybe they want to build more hype around it. My opinion, that's kind of dangerous. I mean, um, because a lot of people are thinking, you know, a lot of people are guessing right now where he's going. I'm guessing. I would say that it's for me right now, it's probably 70% IndyCar and 30% Formula One. Um, I don't think that they want to, like, why would you make the risk, right? Like, if Colton's Andretti thing doesn't work out, I, I propose the question to you. If Colton's Andretti thing doesn't work out, right? Why? if you're going to add him to the team in 2024, why would you add Polo for one year, a year that's probably going to be a struggling year, right? Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so yeah, I mean, Andretti's thing is not looking good. So it seems like Herta is going to Formula One and he's going to go with McLaren in due time. And that would be after Ricardo. Um, Ricardo has the experience in Formula One. It would be an easy 2023. You don't have to be worried about Alex Polo wrecking cars making sure he's integrated well in the team. It'll be a lot less work. Um, and then you just have, you know, Colton come in 2024, partner uh, partner um, uh, uh, Lando Norris because McLaren wants an American in Formula One. They want an American a part of their team because they have a lot of American investors. A lot of companies within that team are from America, so from the United States. So it just, um, it just plays into their hands. Um, Polo, this whole thing is kind of just, they're kind of throwing a wrench in this whole thing. Like, for me, like 
like Zach Brown is just like playing with the hearts of so many drivers and, and especially with Pato Ward, that's somebody I feel bad for not to get into his whole story, but he's someone that's tested a formula one car before. And, you know, McLaren's looked pretty good for him. And um, they were telling him that, Hey, you know, stick around, you know, we'll sign you more IndyCar contracts. You perform well in IndyCar. you got a formula one uh, um, test. If he continues to win races, potentially a championship, then he looks good for a Formula One seat. And that kid wants a Formula One seat. Colton Herta, in behind, in front of the curtains to the media, he just says, it would be cool if it doesn't work out. If it doesn't, oh, well. Maybe behind the curtains, he's like, oh, man, I really want this to work out, you know? But uh, no matter what, Pato wants this to work out. He wants to go to Formula One. And now he's got another guy here to compete with. So um, the only thing also that... Uh, Polo would have to do to get to Formula One is he would have to have uh, he would have to reach a speed in a Formula One car at 300 kph, and I think he would have a he'd have to have also have a certain amount of miles in um in testing before he would drive a drive a Formula One car in 2023. So yeah. Anyways, after that mouthful, Colton is currently he did it two days ago on Tuesday, and then now he did it today. He was in Porto Mayo, uh, Brazil, I believe, uh, testing uh, McLaren's Formula One car from last year. He's been over there. IndyCar guys have all the coverage on that. Um, so that's been pretty interesting. He's looked good in all the simulator tests. So um, that's somebody that's being prepped for IndyCar, uh, for Formula One for sure. But Polo is somebody that's thrown a huge question mark into the, this whole thing and no matter what, I'd be excited to see wherever he goes. I'd be very saddened. We, you know, Formula One is not something, you know, we talk about too often, but who doesn't love Daniel Ricciardo, right? I mean, Daniel is great for the sport. He's great for any sport. It'd be cool to see him in IndyCar. Maybe McLaren brings him over here or he goes to, heck, he runs a couple of races in NASCAR on the road courses. If he can make a deal, that'd be really cool. Um, but either way, um, you know, it's just, there's a lot of, even if like the Polo thing uh, with Ganassi and um, McLaren, that stuff goes to court. There's a lot still to be figured out past that. And I know that was a whole mouthful, but there's just a lot of information in this whole thing. Like it's not just the court possibility. It's also where does he end up? Who does he replace? What does that do to many drivers futures here? Yeah, no, it's definitely a very compelling story because there's, like you said, uh, a lot of legs to it, a lot of different series that are involved because McLaren's involved with so many different divisions yep. of motorsports. So this affects not only IndyCar, it affects F1, it affects Formula E, like you said, and affects other series as well that McLaren is invested into. So, um, but if yep. all, you know, what, whatever uh, results come out of this, uh, I'm definitely excited that the Xfinity Series field next year with uh, Marco Andretti and Daniel Ricciardo going to be great. Yeah. 100%, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool. I mean, it'd be really hey, cool to whole... see. Like, I mean, I, I may not be the huge big, biggest fan of the guy, but it seems like Grosjean has really changed the world a little bit with his switch. Like, he's shown that, hey, I can go from Europe to America and be successful. And then uh, Callum Mylot, Christian Lungard, guys from Formula 2, um, they all switched and came over here. And now they're running, you know, decent in IndyCar. Callum Mylot is, is a stud in a car that might not be too competitive with Hunko's Hollinger Racing. And Grosjean has worked his way to an Andretti ride. So um, as much as there's so much fanfare around him, he is a good driver. Um, and uh, he has shown a world where it doesn't have to be uh, standoffish to say, hey, um, I want to go race in America. And then those and your friends look at you and you're like, you're crazy. You're already in Europe. You know, you already made it in Formula One. Why would you go over there? It's a thing that 
is making IndyCar more popular. It's making IndyCar more of a a valid series. It's making it more interesting. It's bringing diversity and more talented drivers um, to the championship. And now if, you know, you have uh, Marco Andretti, you know, coming from IndyCar, let's say the SRX series kind of uh, interested in running ovals, Daniel Ricardo coming here. Uh, you have like all these different drivers just kind of mixing around. And that's something we used to see a lot back then, right? I mean, I know neither of us were alive, but like with uh, uh, AJ Foyt, uh, Mar- uh, Mario Andretti, we used to see those guys bounce around series all the time or run the biggest races in the world. And we don't see that anymore because everything is so strict with contracts. You can't do this because you might get injured in that, you know, those kinds of things. So um, Grosjean kind of just opened that door. And now there's like this world of motorsport opposed to all these series, right? It's like now it's now it's kind of like one big world kind of. And uh, to see McLaren break that, right? Like Formula One is so tightly kept with its drivers, but McLaren broke that. And now they're like, hey, I can take a guy from IndyCar and put him here. So that's really cool. I like that. I like that aspect of all this. I like it. The uh, the, the motorsport silly season is going to be wild going into 2023. Yes. This, year, this is so the first be... time, right? Like, yeah. I've been a fan for 10 years now of racing. You more. But this is the first time that we see this. Like, now now things are coming at, like a little bit together. And this is very cool. Like, this is, uh, this is a time that I personally never would have thought I would have seen this. Like, I, and I don't think a lot of people realize what we're wa- watching right now, what we're seeing. Um, especially because we know, I think, I'm 100% sure Colton's going to F1. So if the, even if this Polo thing doesn't work out, he's uh, Colton uh, heard is still a story. So, um, But Polo right now is the story. He's the number one story, I would say. Yeah, there's a lot of different things that could happen. So lots of great... Lots of craziness going into 2023, and, and we'll kind of finish this podcast up on something normal, a weekend at New Hampshire. Uh, yeah. We got a lot of guys <laughs> yeah. chasing, chasing the That's lobster normal. in New Hampshire. Um, uh, although there will be lots of storylines this weekend, it'll be a very simple, normal weekend that we've seen before in New Hampshire. We uh, we saw a pretty good race. I feel like we've seen good, good racing there the last two years. Uh, obviously, we have the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series going this year. So before we make our race picks, I'll give a little quick rundown of the Xfinity uh, and Cup entry list. The Xfinity one does look pretty different. Got a lot of people, uh, got a lot of some modified stars in this um, in this entry list as we head to New Hampshire. Uh, we have Josh Williams, who's in the five car this week. Him and Matt Mills have swapped uh, BJ McLeod racing cars. Josh Williams is in the five. Matt Mills is in the 78. Uh, then you have Akinori Ogata making his first Xfinity start. I believe, yeah, this is his first Xfinity start of the season with MBM. He's actually been doing some good things on the short track scene this year at Hickory, getting a few uh, selective wins yep. there. He's been around the NASCAR circuit uh, just at the racetracks. I've seen him a few times this year, finally getting that start. And we'll see what he does in that number 13, hoping to qualify that in there there will be 39 cars 38 spots there'll be one car that will go home obviously the car in the go or go home spot is the 47 uh, of bobby mccarty who's making his first start of the year short track uh short track expert there bobby mccarty uh is making his first start with the team uh first xfinity start i believe of his career if i'm not mistaken uh you have Derek griffith who's driving the 26 obviously i knows knows the short track scene you know that Derek griffith is a guy that uh, uh should be reckoned with on the short tracks very good late model driver uh was very good in his arca short track starts as well he will be racing in the 26 for sam hunt racing patrick emerling well known on the modified scene and obviously co-owner of emerling gase racing will be driving his own car in the 35 cj mclaughlin will be in the 38 uh howie de savino will be making his uh second or third start or third start i believe 
um, for the 44 of Alpha Prime Racing. And they have Julia Landauer, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, she'll be in the 45, making her first career Xfinity Series star. So that's been a long time coming for her as well. Got to meet her at Nashville. Uh, she's been uh, at the racetracks recently getting uh, getting a look at things. And she'll be making her first star finally this weekend in New Hampshire. Got a test as well. Ty Dillon's in that 48 for Big Machine Racing. Uh, and William Byron's making a start in the 88 for uh, Junior Motorsports. So uh, definitely a, a pretty... Uh, stacked entry list this weekend for Xfinity. A lot of short track, a lot of modified guys coming out and making some starts this weekend. So that'll be interesting to see how those guys fare. Like I said, 39 cars for 38 spots. Um, my race pick, if I had to make my race pick, I mean, I'd, I'd probably go with over reliable here and say that William Byron's going to take it in the 88. But I, I, in my gut, I feel like something random is just going to happen and he's not. Um, but I feel like this is a race where, where Justin Allgaier is going to show uh, some speed. And I feel like uh, if I were to make my race pick, I'm going to go with Justin Allgaier. Yeah, Justin's good. I mean, Jerem's been fast, right? So, um, obviously, and they have the most wins on the year. That's what – they have, like, 15 straight, like, stage wins on ovals right now. Yeah, Might be more, might be a little less. But, yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, I usually like to go a little bit fun on these. Um, like last week, I picked Chris Buescher to win the cup race, yeah. uh, which I should have I should have picked Austin Hill to win the Xfinity race. I always pick Austin Hill kind of to win on uh, super speedway style races, and he did, but I didn't pick him. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go for the fun pick uh, like I typically do. Um, I go for Trevor Bain. Uh, those JGR cars are pretty good at New Hampshire. I think he can uh, work around the track to get a lobster. Um, like Christopher Bell did a couple of years ago uh, with the 20 car. And I think give Trevor Bain the car. He's hungry to win. I think he can win this weekend. Yeah, no, that's a good pick for sure. I, I think it, I think it'll be a really cool race. I mean, it'll be a nice little chillax weekend, I think, but it'll be surrounded by all these stories that we got, especially the, uh, the, the Tyler Reddick 2311 news that'll be circling around. So that'll lead me to the cup series racing this weekend. Last year, we saw probably the most unpredictable, uh, finish we could have ever predicted. I don't think anybody predicted Eric Amarola winning the race last year, and he did. Uh, that would be something where he would probably need at this point in the season, again, not as way, definitely not as deep as he was last year. I mean, I think right now he's 12th in the standings, but outside the playoff because of how many winners we've had. Uh, not many changes to the entry list this weekend besides JJ Yaley being in the 15. You got Josh Balicki. Uh, in the 77, and I think that's pretty much it. And AJ Allmendinger in the 16 cup car. So. Allmendinger, I think, in yeah. the 16, yeah. Allmendinger in the 16. Yeah, there so, you go. Uh, race pick. Oh, and a uh, stat check on Bobby McCarty. Yeah. Sorry, a stat check on Bobby McCarty. Never made a NASCAR National Series start. So, yeah, making his first Xfinity start this weekend. First Xfinity start for my Carmen Racing. Nothing more ideal than that. So, uh, that'll be cool to see him action. But uh, yeah. as, as for the Cup Series, like I feel like I, I these these tracks, this latter part of the season, I keep looking at Brad Keselowski. Like, I mean, it showed a lot of speed at Atlanta. I had some terrible luck. I mean, the, the, the mess up on pit road and then getting caught up in a wreck as he made his way back to the front. Uh, I look at New Hampshire as a track. Like, Brad Keselowski, can he get the job done? Can he, can he have a good run here? Um, he's not going to be my race pick. Definitely someone I want to watch. But um, race pick... For New Hampshire in the Cup Series, let's go with let's go with Denny Hamlin. Let's go, with Denny Hamlin. Ah, you forced my hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna. I, it's JGR. I think to this weekend it's JGR. Um, 
and maybe a little bit of the nine car, but I think he'll be like fifth or sixth best. I go JGR. I was going to, Hamlin was technically my third pick. So it's either Truex or Bell. I got more faith in Truex. I think he's going to pull it out, pull it, pull his first win out on the year. I go Truex at New Hampshire. Truex yep. in New Hampshire. Yeah, I like that pick. And I thought, you know, he was, he was running well at, uh, gateway i think it was felt like he would have had a shot there even atlanta i mean i bet he's just bitter right now like he's yeah. had obviously they didn't have a great start to the season as he would have wanted but these last four or five weeks i mean they've they've been there they've been there they, the 19 they've been there speed, yeah. which they didn't have at the beginning of the year so it's been really nice to see so um, yeah, I like that yeah. pick Martin Truex Jr. It honestly would be refreshing to see him back in victory lane. A Christopher Bell win uh, would be cool as well. It kind of kind of solidify their playoff yeah. spot after a rough weekend at Atlanta because they're kind of it's kind of in that playoff bubble uh, with Kevin Harvick, and we get to that point of the season where we're talking about the playoff bubble, and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to win because the bubble really isn't that close. There's just been so many winners this season. You got Christopher Bell, 19 above Kevin Harvick right now. And the closest behind them is Eric Amarola, 42 back. So Eric Jones, someone who could definitely pull off a win here. Austin Dillon, Michael McDowell, Justin Haley, Bubba Wallace, Ricky Stenhouse, Custer, Ty Dillon, Harrison Burton, Todd Gillen, Brad Kozlowski, and even Corey LaJoy, all guys that are probably going to have to get a win this season to get in the playoffs. But the playoffs are just crazy. You got Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick's 11th in the point standings but he is out of the playoffs by 19 points, or I think, yeah, 19 or yeah, 19 points. Christopher Bell is on the edge. He's 16th in the playoff standings and he's eighth in the overall point standings. So, you know, obviously there's different ways to get in the playoffs these days. And with so many winners, it's almost like, well, we got to win at least one race this season. That's the mentality of, of all the crew chiefs and all the drivers this season. And I definitely think, Hey, Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick, that'd be a big through win, a big breakthrough win for any of them. Um, and like I had mentioned, like we were talking about, I feel like it's, it's a good track for both of them. Christopher Bell has been very good at New Hampshire, um, has won, I believe every Xfinity race he's attempted at New Hampshire. Um, he's won undefeated. He's like three for three, I think. And oh, there you go. Yeah. I was trying to mention yeah. that he won a race there a couple of years ago, but yeah, he's won. Multiple. Yeah. And he won last year too. Cause they put he even won a truck board. race there too. I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. That's kind of his place, right? It is his place. Good. So I would expect yep. him to be good this weekend. Um, obviously next gen car is a different ball game, but still some of the tracks still do matter, even though it's all new and they've been fast this year. They've been good. Obviously they're eighth in the point standing. So I expect a good weekend out of them. And I expect probably a good, not a dominant, maybe race from Kevin Harvick, but he, I think that their team was good last year as well. They ran up in the top five. Uh, it was just Eric Amarola that ended up getting the victory. So we'll see. I think it'll be a fun weekend. Honestly, I've, I haven't looked more forward to New Hampshire than I have the last few years. It's been some pretty solid racing. I'm not like overly thrilled about it. Like, but I am very, you know, kind of excited to, to see how the racing is like in New Hampshire, uh, especially with the next gen car. I think it'll be really cool to see how that works, but I think the Xfinity race uh, will be great as well. Yeah, I think it will be too. Um, you know, I, I, for me, Bell and Truex are super close. Um, I just choose Truex. He's a little bit of the safer bet for me. Yeah. Um, I think Bell with that crew pit crew, I can't, I can't put faith in that pit crew 100%. <laughs> uh, you know, with the Bubba Wallace's uh, pit crew because yeah. they swapped um, for up. Atlanta. And I'd imagine they keep that going forward. But um, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I do really, really like Bell in the playoffs. I'm looking at this right now. I, 
I'm not gonna I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you. I have not looked at the playoffs standings in a while, other than just what NBC shows us. Yeah. Um. Like, but I legitimately don't even read it that well, or I see the driver standings. I don't. I don't even pay attention to it. But I can see it here now that I didn't think Bowman was ahead of Byron. But yeah, live reaction here. I mean, <laughs> I'm just yeah. shocked that some of these uh, guys in some of these positions and the overall points. Bowman in front of Byron. Eric Amarola's uh, 12th in the points. That's not terrible. Um, I know Blaney's been up there. Um, it would be a shame if we got three new winners and Blaney never got a win and he's knocked out of the playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen, but um, let's just say if it did, that would be a shame. Um, Ross up there, uh, obviously, Larson, Bush, Truex, all typical stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Harvick 11th, so. Um, just yeah, some shocking things. I didn't think Bowman was in front of Byron, but I know Byron's had a pretty rough stretch of races here. Um, but yeah, I mean, can we just mention one thing real quick? Yeah. Uh, Elliot won the race. I didn't mention this in the beginning of the podcast, but I think Elliot has really, um, this is kind of the obvious, but he has really, um, kind of set himself apart from the rest of the guys, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, this can kind of lead him to the stretch where he's going to win the regular season championship, get the extra 15 points heading into the playoffs. He's got another win. So he has more playoff points right now um, towards the championship, uh, towards heading into the playoffs. So right now he'd have 35 playoff points. I think he gets another win. That would be 40, a couple more stage points. Could be 42, 43, 44. Who knows? He's in the driver's seat. Um, sure. So that's a lot. And a lot of other guys are not, not going to be close to that number. So it's not just having one more win than everyone else. He's winning stages. He's leading laps. He's looking really good to make a good run to the championship four, or at least secure himself in the round of eight. Um, but yeah, I think Chase has really set himself apart. I think Chase is, um, Chase is number one for me right now, and I'm not sleeping on Logano just yet. It seems like Penske always goes off a little bit in the summer months. I think Logano's got a good run at this thing, and I think this is a year where he gets back in the championship four. If I'm not mistaken, Logano's been in the championship four every other year since, like, 2016. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Hendrick Motorsports going for their third straight title after Chase Elliott won at 2020, Kyle Larson won at 2021. Will we see another Hendrick Motorsports driver, Elliott or Larson or Byron or Bowman, win it in 2022? We'll see as we come down the stretch here in the season, but – uh, great to talk about Atlanta. Great to talk about New Hampshire. All the news between Reddick and 2311 and IndyCar drama. Uh, I'm sure we'll be able to note on it. I'm sure some more stuff will come out in the next five or six days. So we'll be able to note on some more of it next week on, on the next show. So thanks to everybody uh, again for tuning in. Thanks to Ben Online, to the Bleed Podcast Network, everybody that's watching. And we'll talk to you all next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.